head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 297 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. The Pod God, joined today by uh, Graham McDonald. I would call him normally the Ryan Giggs of MMA, but I won't do that today. Uh, <laughs> we have, uh, you know, not not the biggest week in the world of MMA, I suppose, um, to talk about this week. But there are a few topics and a big card coming up next weekend. Um, we, we're recording this a little bit early, so we'll talk about KSW and anything else that comes down over the weekend. Um, but uh, we had the 1FC earlier on with Rogue Rogue. We'll get into that in a second. So. Before, you, before you go on, what, what was Ryan Giggs up to that you, you usually call me Ryan Giggs? Just being a really successful person and a really successful athlete in his field, whereas you've never really been that, have you, you know? In, in, in whether person or athlete, <laughs> you know, Ryan Giggs never got up to anything. I've never done nearly any. Ne- <laughs> Yeah, never got up to anything. <laughs> never got up to anything outside mm. of, of his area of expertise, you know. Of his quiet, you know, unassuming, a bit like Paul Scholes. So he's, he's an expert in his butter's, butter's wife. Oh, oh, excuse me. What? what are you trying to say? I didn't try to say anything. No, I was pure quiet. Ryan Giggs. Ryan huh? Giggs. How many Premier League titles? We're talking about Ryan Giggs here. Yeah, a lot more than fucking Steven Gerrard. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about them provincial, provincial Farmers League. <laughs> Farmers League trophies. He's a couple of Champions Leagues as well. But sure, anyway, uh, do you know what Ryan Giggs would have badly needed actually back in the day when he ripped his shirt off uh, after uh, in in the nineteen ninety nine semi final? Do you know what he would have needed? Been a manscaped. That's that's what Ryan Giggs would have needed. Uh, and especially <laughs> co- <laughs> and especially coming up to Valentine's, uh, Ryan Giggs could have used a lot of manscaped because I'm sure he had a busy couple of of Valentine's. Uh, so Valentine's Day is nearly polished. And make sure you do the same and get ready wherever you are. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in blow the waist grooming, are here. To, that was that was the best transition that's ever. That's ever I can't go on with this read. That was fantastic. Um, they have the best tools for the job. So two million uh, people are already trusting Manscaped products to to groom them. Make sure you're one of them too. Uh, your girl can't think of what to get you this year. Tell her that to get you the gift that's for you and for her. The best way to get started with Manscaped is the perfect three point package. Uh, it is all the best products you're looking for. Starting off with the third generation lawnmower uh, 3.0 trimmer with the skin safe technology uh, with uh, the cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming incidents. It's waterproof uh, and has a light on it as well so it's absolutely perfect. You can use it in the shower so you've nothing to clean up afterwards in the clap crop preserver and crop reviver which will keep you smelling nice down there so all these products they smell really good and the manly scent is uh, is very attractive the perfect package 3.0 also comes with boxers that'll keep your junk smelling fresh all the way through it and anti-chafing those boxers are as well and really comfortable uh, and complete your grooming game with the refined cologne signature scent by manscaped um which will be uh, coming out soon as well uh this is your perfect package for uh your perfect package uh so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com happy valentine's day from manscaped your balls will thank you and it's you know it's a great offer to be honest like t- if you think about it 20 percent off 20 percent off of fucking anything is fantastic and uh free shipping as well shipping always annoys me so i think it's a really good actually do you know what it's weird because i like the uh, manscaped do these um like these uh these, uh, what are mints i suppose they're called um and i love them and they're like i don't know three quid for like a hundred of them or something and it's like with the fact that it's free shipping and everything like somewhere else if you were to order fucking mints you'd be like nah, you know it's gonna be like a fiver shipping or somewhere where it is i got 20 percent off free shipping it's like 270 i could just get them straight to my door so it's absolutely brilliant but however uh that's it manscaped promo code severe mail graham i suppose um before, <laughs> before we get into anything else and and what's coming next week and any of the mma news or anything 
we last week we did obviously the the McGregor Poirier fallout, and there's been a lot more fallout um, around the place since. <sighs> to be honest, I don't think a lot of it's that kind of top quality or anything like that. I don't think the analysis analysis of it has been particularly good. Um, we got a lot lot of questions in from people this week. I think upwards of fucking a hundred questions on the the Q and A. And if any more, as well, send them in uh, on Patreon or to at Severe MMA Pod as well. And I think lots of the questions were about, like, you know, the technique of the fight and the tactics of the fight and stuff like that. And, you know, what's coming next as well, which we might get to in a second. But to me, I think a lot of this has been, you know, uh, is McGregor too... A lot of talk has been, like, is McGregor too old? Is McGregor done? Is is just Paria, like, a, a way, way better fighter right now at this stage of his career? And I, to me, the weird, the weird thing about the, that thing, and, you know, we talked about it last week as well, the, the silk pyjamas, you know, saying that we struggled over and everything like that, and, you know, him getting off this $100 million yacht or whatever it might be. I, like, I just feel like, and I you know I said it last week again, but I reiterate it a little bit again, I just feel like, why are we looking past what we can see right in front of us? You know, the what happened with his game plan and how much of a great game plan Dustin Poirier came with and not only what great game plan he came with but the way he performed against the game plan that McGregor had you know we sometimes in MMA and in all sports you know we look in too much to it you know what's going on behind the scenes what's going on you know inside or outside the camp and I remember tweeting just before the fight happens and there's no excuses they both these both these guys had perfect camps both these guys you know no no big crowd no big mad media nothing like that and they went in and it was one uh fighter versus another fighter one strategy against another strategy one set of techniques against another techniques and fighter a beat fighter b and sometimes we look beyond that i think just because it's mcgregor or just because it's ronda rousey or just because it's john jones you know the big different names if this was drakkar close versus mark J. casey we, we would look and we'd watch that fight we as we've talked about uh, 50 times probably on this podcast graham and go oh look the the leg kicks absolutely destroyed him the car kicks absolutely destroyed him why is that not the biggest factor here and i feel like i feel like afterwards mcgregor talking about it in his uh, press conference you know that's kind of what he was saying you know i was beaten because this guy against me had a better strategy and my strategy wasn't great and i wasn't prepared properly for that part of the game and i was beaten because of it like i know this is all entertainment and all but i've always been an advocate of like leave the entertainment at the gate or leave the entertainment at the door when that that cage closes um and i feel like some of the best people like Covering Sport, I don't know, I haven't consumed too much of it, but even directly after it, I'm watching kind of the fallout, I feel like we fall too easy on that. And I think the reason we fall too easy on that is because maybe we don't want to give someone criticism or don't want to talk about what actually went on inside the cage because we're afraid of the blowback or afraid of, you know, Conor McGregor won't do an interview with you if you think he, if you said he performed badly. Like, but Conor McGregor says it himself <laughs> that he did that. And I, like, I don't know. If you're covering the sport, I think you should have no qualms about saying that or about doing that. If they disagree with you, disagree with you. You know, and we've had it before and stuff like that. But however, I got into a bit of a, a rant there. What, what do you think of, like, the fallout from it? And do you, do you agree or disagree with my points? Yeah, well, like, as we kind of said on the on the podcast straight after, uh, you know, the, the leg kicks were huge. Like, you know, uh, you kind of need your legs under you. And as you mentioned, Connor, Connor mentioned that he'd never really faced those leg kicks before. So, you know, we've seen we've seen with Chandler, as I mentioned, we've seen with Mark Jacquesi, as you mentioned, like one or two of those kicks can completely take your leg out. Uh, we like we just kind of remembered more for the funniness of it with the Michael Chandler incident where they he went to sit in the stool and the guy taking it away, but you could see how like unable to to you know balance and put weight or do anything with that leg these these calf kick can do. So it's kind of a lack of preparation that you wouldn't be prepared for that because we've seen it before. But obviously you kind of have to learn the hard way sometimes. And um, obviously Poirier's game plan worked pr- to perfection um, pretty much. Obviously he lost the first round or whatever, but he got the he got the the result he was after. So like you know, uh, in fairness to him, you got to say like hats off, brilliant performance. But also you got to say as you you said as Connor said himself, you know he was underprepared for what Dustin was was bringing, and especially in terms of those calf kicks. And sometimes people don't like it to be you know simple. They they think that, uh, it couldn't be that simple, but yeah. usually the simple answer is the correct answer. Yeah, it's very true. It is like sometimes it is because okay, like did something else play into it? Maybe, maybe, but like 
that's pure speculation to, to, to think something else played into it when we can see right in front of us you know okay if Conor McGregor came out and said afterwards I broke my leg a month ago <laughs> then okay fair enough we can speculate on that, uh, speculate on that and that can be a main uh, source of uh, our t- you know source of conversation or whatever you want but it was uh, yeah it's true we just look past the obvious so much and it's not necessarily just the leg kick as well or the calf kick either you know, going back watching Mac that fight, I did rewatch on Patreon this week. I think that, coupled with the takedown, coupled with a lot of you know clinching that happened in the first round, coupled with McGregor kind of standing in that stance, which you know we won't, we won't talk about too much again because we did for half an hour last week, but it led to Poirier being able to land on him better and being able to uh, you know produce a game plan which was exactly what was needed against another game plan and that's exactly what you need in fights you know if we talk about it like we do about judging fighter a versus fighter b and look at it that way that's exactly what happened in this fight and it not only opened up the leg kick but it opened up dustin poirier to be able to land his beautiful jab and his beautiful left hand and his beautiful check right hook which was the shot really that ended the fight uh, and hurt mcgregor uh, and you know the f- few shots came after that so like my, my, I think my major point here is that w- try at times. I think even if you're, you're a fan of the sport, I, mean, I have to do this myself as well at times. Because sometimes I don't do it. But like we we need to look at what happened <laughs> inside the cage. Let's not forget it's a fight, and not get kind of torn away or get get kind of dragged away from it. Like if you if you looked at some of the analysis beforehand, I I spoke to Dan Hardy. He mentioned the like because I was on over in the Art of Fight podcast and uh, I, there was a clip up and I was watching. I was like, you know, can Dustin Poirier kick the can he kick the outside of the leg? Is that going to be uh, a big thing or is McGregor's kind of in and out movement going to alleviate that? And you know, the in and out movement didn't come and it didn't alleviate it. Dustin Poirier kicked it. It wasn't rocket science, you know. We we've looked. I mentioned it before that against Diaz in the first fight, the jab really, really hurt McGregor in terms of like, maybe maybe not hurt him physically, but he landed a lot of times. Diaz can Poirier adjust to land the jab, and he did. Maybe McGregor's adjustments helped, but he did that. So there was, I think there's a lot of very kind of obvious things you saw in the fight that can answer the question of, why Dustin Poirier beat Conor McGregor? Like, did Dustin Poirier beat Conor McGregor because he kicked his leg, he jabbed him, and Conor McGregor stood in an, an awkward stance, which did well for him in times, but also got him into trouble? Or because Conor McGregor trained and wasn't out for a year, or was on a yacht, and has maybe life a little bit easier? I, I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of both, but it's you, if you look at it, you see facts in front of you of what happened. You know, maybe we overplay those facts a little bit, but they are exactly what happened in the cage, and I think that's that's kind of a thing that we really need to kind of realize in MMA that this is what happened. And the, the thing about it, is that it feels like because of all the madness kind of around the analysis of this fight and stuff, we are going to um, I don't know underplay maybe McGregor's ability to change. And his ability, if there is a rematch, to do better. Because I absolutely think Conor McGregor can do better. Now, I I pick McGregor going into this because of, the, you know, f- for the reasons I think his, what, um, why he could win in the second fight. You know, because of the adjustments, because of fighting the way he used to fight before. So... Like, it'll be a difficult choice to actually pick who's going to win this fight going into the second one. Because I truly believe those adjustments can uh, produce him a winning strategy. But he also got basically destroyed by Dustin Poirier and knocked out in, in the second round. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's an interesting one. Maybe one we'll, when we have another couple of weeks to, to think about it. Maybe there's the next fight announced and stuff. We, we can discuss it a little bit more. Because I think it's good to give this a little bit of time, even during the week, rewatching it. I think it was good to have time, and even now, again with what you know, six or seven days since it, since the fight itself, it's good to uh, to rewatch it again. But have, Graham, have you any sense? And we move on from this now in a second. But have you any sense of what's going to happen next for 
McGregor because I think for Paria we could discuss what's next for Paria all day but I think he's kind of sitting back and like saying right I'll see what kind of comes from me and you know I'm sure he'd love that McGregor fight because it's a lot of money or he'd love a title fight against Oliveira or whoever it might be so he's kind of sitting back have you any idea of McGregor because he's kind of come out and kind of half said that he wants to rematch straight away I think John Cavanaugh I didn't listen to the interview but John Cavanaugh I believe said that he's gone mad looking for the rematch against Paria immediately do you think that's what's going to happen or do you, what's your kind of on it. Well, like I saw that news came out about oh this six or the six month suspension, but that's always like you know a, kind of a preliminary thing, and you can go to a, a doctor and get get cleared like well in advance of that normally. So uh, yeah, I, I saw a lot of places reporting that as some kind of like oh uh, the plans are dashed for for twenty twenty one or something like that, but that's not the case uh, usually anyway. So I think yeah, I think you know Dustin seems to we said on the podcast last week Dustin seems to want it. Obviously, it's a bigger payday than any other any other payday and there's a lot of uncertainty around Habib so uh, you know if if Conor wants to go again Dustin wants to go again that'll probably happen you know it'll do probably even better pay-per-view numbers than it did this time uh, and you know everybody will make a lot of money and you know you can talk about Charles Oliveira and people like that but uh, you know that they're, they're just not going to make the same amount of money in the UFC or, or in the money making business especially since uh, Endeavour took over they've been they've been trying to uh, you know um, you know the CSPN thing is is you know it was a year over a year between last year with Cowboy and Connor with this. I don't think that's a coincidence. So you know maybe ESPN won't be as eager to have him fight, but you know they obviously want to make money as well. And it's been a uh, you know uh, slow enough a couple of years uh, for the UFC in terms of the McGregor show. So you'd think that they'd want to you know put him back in there in a big fight as, as, as quickly as possible but the start of last year or the middle of last year and the end of last year for some reason Dana didn't seem to want that so I'm not sure if that's changed or or whatever but logic to me would think that yeah you would be, the UFC would be happy to do that again and it seems all parties would be happy to do that again yeah I think the weird thing about matching McGregor is that like matching him from a sporting sense is I think totally different from matching him from the reality of the situation we're in with him being the biggest things work yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and it's 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 weird because you know sometimes when i talk about weight cutting and i kind of we kind of stop talking about it because it's just a thing you beat your head against the wall so many times but like i think the solution to weight cutting is just like an unrealistic thing that nobody's ever going to do so i was like you know and this as well like i tweeted during the week diego sanchez should be conor mcgregor's next fight it's like what what exactly would be wrong with that, you know? What exactly would be wrong with giving someone a warm-up fight before they go to their next fight? No, no, no disrespect to Diego Sanchez or anything like that. But look at, say, look at Tyson Fury when he came back from a while out. As, uh, I think it was, was it Tony Bellew or David Hare, someone famously once said, it, like, fighting two bin men. And David Hare did it as well himself, you know, fought two lads nobody had ever heard of. But still, like... Rank or you know ranked in the in the top twenty or top thirty whatever it might be or why would like McGregor versus Ally Quinta he kind of called him out during the week why would a fight like like that not be good for McGregor in terms of sporting but as we say the reality of it they're going to need McGregor headlining they're going to need McGregor in a big fight they want to get as much out of him as possible but I think long in the long term in the long run why not put McGregor let's say they have an ABC card next right. Why not put McGregor in a fight on that where you'll draw millions upon millions of people, put it in a good time slot, put it at a good time where it doesn't clash with NFL or NBA or whatever it might be, have him in there in a showcase fight, you know, against a Diego Sanchez, a Ally Quinta, maybe even a Paul Felder, you know, which would probably, I think, make a little bit more sense because he's, you know, higher ranked and everything like that you know one of those guys where it's a step back an easier fight you know we saw look look exactly look at exactly what happened with max holloway two really tough fights with uh alexander volkanovsky and because he doesn't have to be in like okay he headlined the card but it's it's it wasn't a pay-per-view card or anything like that because he doesn't have to be like a drawn or money and be in a showcase fight every time they were able to step back and he was able to fight the number six or seven in the world and there's a big difference between habib poria you know, top two, top three in the world, and seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen. You know, and he was able to destroy Cater. That's what McGregor needs. McGregor needs a fight like that. He needs a showcase fight to build himself back up. You know, to to become the great fighter we once knew again. Now, maybe he won't be able to do it, and maybe we'll be able to talk about everything like that again after that. Maybe he's no longer a great fighter, but I don't think 
he's under and and you know I don't think he's been given the opportunity the best opportunity to get back to being there and he talked about that season he talked about getting there like the Cerrone fight and in another fight before a Paria fight would have been perfect you know he was talking about that that even that look at that Diego Sanchez fight that he, he wanted to get and I think McGregor understands that too and he mentioned it afterwards about you know ring time and cage time and obviously when I'm talking about this this is very kind of pro Conor McGregor and how to get Conor McGregor back to his very best but like I think as a fighter, he deserves that himself. He's done enough. He's earned enough money for him. He should have the ability to kind of maybe call that shot to say, "Look, I want, I'm going to need to step back here for a little bit. Give me, you know, give me, give me Ally Quinton next. Then give me Paul Felder, and then I'm ready for a Dustin Poirier, you know, or I'm ready for a Habib, or I'm ready for a Justin Gaethje or whatever. And I'm sure McGregor take either of them, <laughs> you know, immediately again. But yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Obviously, I think. You know, we talked about the adjustments he needs to do in training camp and things like that. If he, you know, if he wants to get back to the the best and not just get back to his best, I think he needs to get forward to his best as well and improve and become a better fighter and be better prepared. Uh, I, I looked it up the other day. It was like I think it's three years around or a little bit more even since the that Dracar close Marcia Casey fight. And uh, someone mentioned to me, you know, Vincent Henderson ten years ago was showing those uh, uh, low calf kicks as well. So to be not prepared and not have kind of seen those before is. Is a bit odd as well. But anyway, I suppose, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about McGregor and Auburn last week. And I, I, I assume we'll talk a lot about him again. But I think we kind of had, I had to mention kind of those parts of it there. Just to kind of put a, maybe a book in on it for a while. And, you know, I'll talk about it more in the Q&A uh, this week as well. If, if anyone has any questions. Or if I uh, if I missed anything. So hopefully we didn't miss too much. But however. Um, right, so this weekend, um, we're recording this before KSW comes on, so we'll talk about that next week. But Sean Dinney has a great preview of that up if you haven't seen the carriage yet or anything like that. Uh, and uh, we, I'm sure he'll have the results up as well on Sider. He'll be tweeting them out uh, nonstop. So um, 1FC also had a card, which actually went down last week, if I'm not mistaken, but it was only... Um, was only filmed and was or filmed was only shown this week. Uh, so in the main event, Mauro Cirelli uh, took on um, uh, Vagabov and won that fight in the heavyweight division. Uh, Takaneda fought and won as well. And there's a few more people as well, but obviously the one we want to talk about mostly is, is uh, Rog Rogan. It's only his second fight, and he fought uh, Alan Galani, who is, what, f- he was 4-5 and five coming into the fight. So, you know, nine fights against someone in his second fight. That's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fights, and has fought, you know, some, some very, very good people, and a lot of boxing and uh, experience, you know, fighting Chai Lewis Perry a couple of times, and uh, uh, Linda Sang as well, and, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of other people as well fought Mauro Sorelli last time out as well, so uh, an experienced guy. I thought, Rogue, I don't know if you've seen it, Graham, I actually just watched it just before we were doing the podcast, but Rogue, Rogue looked way better in this fight. Okay, the last time we were kind of, you know, laughing and joking about this absolute athletic monster coming out, and just how could anyone beat him? It's so just insanely strong and... And, you know, just just a crazy-looking human being. But he came out, and he was moving around. He was circling away. He was using his... Maybe not jabbing too much, but he had the hand out to protect himself. Uh, he took a few shots, you know, took a few kicks to the body and a couple of punches and stuff. Went through him well. And I thought he looked significantly better. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was over... Or maybe due to go to Camp in America. I'm not sure if he went there or not yet. But he's, he's definitely been working on his skills. Definitely been getting better. You can absolutely see it. And two fights into his career, you know, as someone in his last fight who looked, you know, <laughs> as, as green as the Irish grass, he looked way, way better in this fight. I was very, very impressed with him. Um, he was very patient. Uh, for the first, I, I think Sean needed to be the result. For the first three and a half minutes, nothing happened in the fight. Then he was able to push him against the cage, get a takedown. And from there, you know, when you're fighting Rug Rug, that's, that's game, <laughs> game over, as they say. Uh, and he was able to, uh, to beat him down there, but... Do you know, Graham, I know we, we look a lot, and we'll be talking about the heavyweight division here in a second when we look forward to the UFC card next week. But a guy like this, right, who has obviously a, a grappling background, a very different sort of grappling background, I suppose, but is so ultra-athletic and is making huge improvements in the months between fights. Now, okay, it's a different level between fighting in your second fight and fighting maybe for a UFC championship and stuff. But the ceiling for this guy really is endless, isn't it? I know he's so he's become a little bit of a like a Twitter inside joke for for the and not joke, but like a meme, I suppose for the uh, for the hardcores. 
But this guy is a real prospect, isn't he? Are you uh, are you <laughs> impressed at Rug Rug? Do you think he can go all the way? I think he can go all the way. UFC, UFC champion Rug Rug is going to be. What do you think? I didn't actually see that fight, so uh, I'll have to take your word for it. But uh, yeah, he's definitely, you know, from the from the first fight, he definitely has a lot of raw ability anyway. Um, it's, it's very early in his career. Obviously, you don't want to see him get in there too early into the into the UFC heavyweight division to some, you know, big hitters there. It, uh, it could uh, it could all go pear shaped quickly, but if he takes his time, builds his way up, obviously, you know, a, a nine a nine fight veteran or not veteran, but a nine fight pro mm-hmm. uh, has a lot more experience than him, and uh, it's a very good victory in your second fight. But it's still like a long way to go before you kind of, you know, we could see some holes in his game get exposed as he kind of goes up against even more experienced guys with more wins, and we see where he's really at. But that's good; it would give him time to. Um, you know, improving the gym, and as you mentioned, he's improved in the gym already. Uh, between like you know, this, this isn't exactly an ideal uh, time with, with COVID and stuff. So uh, when the gyms are fully running, and he, you know, he makes the move to America or goes over to America and uh, for an American camp, uh, obviously we we could see even more uh, improvements. But you know, it's very early days. Yeah, 100%. And uh, look, it's, I, I suppose it's good as well to see cards kind of coming back and, and one and stuff. And it's... I, I was going to kind of give a, a quick breakdown of maybe where the promotions are. And I was kind of looking through them there before we started. Um, the Bellator website has nothing. So I think Bellator 255 is their next event, but no time scale pencil in. They said early in 2021. Um, and hopefully that's soon. You know, I think we probably needed it for that For if you're a Bellator fighter. And I spoke to... A couple of Bellator fighters over the, you know, kind of over the Christmas period or maybe a little bit before. And a lot of them are absolutely non to get a fight or non even to get a date. So they have something to prepare for. And, you know, it's going to be very tough, especially for the European fighters. I'm, I'm sure they're going to start in America and then maybe take care of Europe after that, which is going to be very frustrating. Now, I might be wrong and, you know, they might come to Europe straight away. But um, it's uh, it's an interesting time to see what Bellator do. Um, obviously, Cage Warriors have the the next trilogy penciled in for uh, you know for a couple of months or a couple of weeks down the line. Even so, they're not uh, they're not too bad. And I suppose we'll see some of those fights announced uh, over the next while. So they have I suppose a plan in place uh, as well. Same with PFL, they're coming back. I saw a lot of dates being put up, so they have kind of the plan in place as well. And on the local scene. Uh, Cage Legacy have a date. I think it's April 3rd, if I'm not mistaken, but it's some date in April anyway, which might be good timing. The last last um, fight cards that they had planned obviously came as the kind of COVID sprang back in around uh, October and stuff, so it was very, very unfortunate for them around then and obviously coming towards the end of the year as well. So it looks like in Ireland, if anyone outside of Ireland, uh, that the restrictions are going to be eased slightly at the start of March and maybe at the start of April it might be a good t- uh, chance to do it. Maybe, you know, uh, the GEA and things like that will be coming back around then so, you know, sports might be able to get like a, an exemption or, or whatever to, to come back in. And I'm sure, you know, the I, I still have to talk to that. I was actually talking to one of the, um, uh, the owners last week and said uh, we get I'll get back to him because it's just kind of... <laughs> It's kind of pointless at the moment till we see exactly what can be done and when it can be done. Uh, but they are planning it, and without you know without planning, you you can't do it. So they have to do that in fair play to them. Uh, Johnny Jitchu was signed up to, to fight uh, on that card. Uh, Palahan uh, is fighting. Um, oh God, I'm, I'm Team KF. The guy I can't remember his name, but um, he made his debut over in Cage Warriors and the the Ian Gary when Ian Gary fought uh, that week as well. Oh, they'll kill me if I can. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a really good fight as well. Pat Lahan, obviously from down in Cork, making his uh, making his uh, pro debut. So that should be really good as well. And there's lots of other people uh, on, on that card as well. So uh, really good for the uh, Irish pro scene and amateur scene as well that they are planning to come back. Now, we know in these times, um, <laughs> that's easier said than done. But I, I, fair play to the Cage Legacy lads. They always try their best to put on uh, shows and try their best to, to get things done as well in a, in a, a very tough kind of, uh, even before COVID, a tough fucking scene, a tough place to put on fights. Ireland, probably the toughest place in the world to get fights put on. Well, I, mean, I don't know, maybe fucking Iraq or somewhere. Maybe <laughs> a tougher but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, fair play to them uh, anyway. And, uh, you know, it's for Irish fighters, it's kind of a, an odd time. You know, we... Dean Barry was supposed to fight last week on Fight Island against Mike Jackson, but that fight was cancelled. I'm not sure if that fight's going to happen again or not. Dean Barry's kind of on Twitter talking, tweeting nonstop. Dean Barry never stops tweeting. <laughs> so 
wanting about everything. But he's looking for uh he's looking for a date, I believe, according to his Twitter anyway. And I'm not sure what the crack with Mike Jackson is, but um yeah, look it's it's an interesting time. We'll we'll see what happens there as well, I suppose. So let's look ahead, Graham, to next week's UFC card, and it's a fucking pretty good card to be honest. Um it, let's talk about the main event first, I suppose, and we'll pick out a couple of the undercard fights then. Alexander Volkov versus Alistair Overeem. I suppose it's the, you know, Brad Wharton's dream, the, t- the, the two uh, European kickboxers, I suppose. Overeem, been around a long time. We know what he does. He kicks hard to the body and he comes and he's more defensive these days maybe, maybe than he's ever been. Whereas Volkov is big, long, strong guy who, you know, is good over three or five rounds uh, and is well able to, you know, win decisions and stuff like that. <sighs> How, how do you see this one? Like, I, I find this one hard to kind of pick out in terms of, like... How, usually, I, I look at a five-round heavyweight fight and go, ah, you know, maybe it'll drag on and maybe they'll get tired or stuff. But I could see this being a five-round technical fight. Now, Q was fucking four-second knockout after I said that. But how how do you see this one going? Yeah, well, I think Overeem's kind of leaning... Recently, in recent history, is leaning towards that kind of fight and trying to play a technical and play on the outside. And, you know, I looked at the odds there and I could see the Volkov's a sizable favourite and... Uh, in in that case, I'd definitely be thinking the the better bet is on Overeem. Like this is a fight that could go either way. I think you know, uh, Overeem in the past, like we, we've talked about his weak chin, but we haven't seen that in a long time. Like he's kind of adjusted his game to to avoid big shots mm-hmm. to his chin. And um, you know, Volkov's a bit of an up and down fighter as well. Obviously, you know, uh, he's he's looked good. Uh, he's looked good in certain fights, but. You know, he, he's definitely he's definitely a challenge for Overeem, and you know, at some stage, Overeem he's he's in his forties now. At some stage, he's probably gonna, you know, start going downhill. Uh, and at heavyweight, you know, if you lose a step, you can you can get caught with a with a big shot and get put out pretty quickly. But I don't think Volkov's the biggest hitter in the division either. He's technical, but he doesn't have the historically anyway. He doesn't have the the, the the biggest power. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be, I'd be leaning towards Overeem in this one, and I think that's that's a that's a decent bet there. It could be a very close fight, uh, but uh, Overeem's kind of shown that he's he's able to to win rounds uh, technically from the outside and avoid too much damage. Yeah, I've I actually see it the exact same way to be honest, and I know we don't we usually don't agree on these kind of ones, but I feel like Volkov might have an, or, you know, this might be a foolhardy thing to say to 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 think, but if you're Overeem, you're thinking against Volkov. Okay, I'll be defensive and I'll try to protect myself as much as possible. But I think he'd be able to take an additional couple of risks, maybe. You know, he fought JDS a few years ago when JDS was JDS, and he took no risks at all and waited and tried to land at the exact right time. Against Volkov, I think he can take a couple of additional risks and maybe give himself... And, you know, he's smart as well. I'm not sure he's... Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to, uh, you know, not uh, go in there and just go fucking hands down and take shots at the chin, but give himself the ability to land maybe a few extra shots or put himself in the place to land big power shots thinking his power will have more of an effect than Volkov's power and you know it, could, it absolutely could um, but I think it will be close for the first two or three rounds especially uh, and maybe if Overeem feels himself maybe losing those rounds or close rounds maybe he'll open up a little bit then but uh, yeah I think it'll be usually when we talk about heavyweight fights going past the first round and a half <laughs> we're thinking slap fest but this could be a really good technical five-round fight, to be honest, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Uh, but you know, and you never know as well with with Overeem. You know, he's he's been known to take the fight to the ground as well before and push guys against the fence and knee him there. Uh, you know, Brock Lesnar famously and other people as well. So you know, it's it's an interesting fight, and I'm looking forward to. It. I think it's um it's a good main event. But one thing I think maybe is a little bit unfortunate: the core main event is Corey Sandhagen versus Frank Edgar. Now, I think that could have been better suited to, to the five-round main event, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously, Corey Sandhagen looked absolutely phenomenal uh, in his last fight against uh, Marlon Royce. Just came out and destroyed him uh, in the in the second round after losing quickly to Aljamain Sterling uh, in the fight before that. But, you know, has beaten uh, Asunsa, has beaten John Lineker, beaten Yuri Alcantara and other people as well in the UFC. So, has a really good record. I know Frankie... Uh, I'm not sure he should be still fighting because he's done a lot and he's taken a lot of damage and a lot of fight time as well. But look, in his in his debut at 135 pounds, he beat Pedro Munoz over five rounds. Okay, it was a split decision. 
uh, a relatively close Did he fight. Though? Did he though? <laughs> yeah, and I, <laughs> Munoz was a very good matchup for him as well. We must not forget that as well. And you know, okay, people probably call me a Frankie Edgar hater and stuff, but um, this is a real, real test. You know, Munoz is maybe not the fastest guy in you know the second fastest division in the UFC, but Sandegan sure is, and he's a technical guy and he hits hard as well. So if Frankie has any issues with his chin going down and weight. And he, you know, Frankie is known for winning because of his speed and, and things like that up at 155 and then 145 got a little bit harder. This is a real test. This is a tough one. I would have loved to see in this five rounds. Well, how, how would you see this uh, Sandhagen and Edgar fight going? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, I think it's a really good matchup. I think obviously, uh, you know, Frankie Edgar is not at, not at the at his peak anymore. And yeah. I think Sandhagen's kind of, you know, uh, on the way up. But uh Frank Yeager has a has a way of eking out rounds. Maybe if he if he had five rounds, he he might be able to implement a kind of longer game plan. But I think, yeah, I think I think Sam Hagen's going to have too much from here. It's 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 late in his career to be cutting down to one thirty five. I didn't think he looked great against Pedro Munez. Um, very close fight. Obviously, um, can't remember exactly what happened, but uh, but like you know, the Frank Yeager that won the the UFC lightweight title uh, is gone and this whole thing that's been going on for years of people saying oh if, if he drops weight he could be two division three division champion it's just it's completely unrealistic uh, as you mentioned he kind of used this kind of footwork and kind of speed to hit a lot of air and make it you know land shots but not very impactful shots on his opponent and do just enough to win rounds mixed in the wrestling but I think you know his game plan is going to have to be wrestling heavy here if he's if he's going to get the job done I think um, I think maybe over five rounds he, he might be able to eke it out but over three rounds it's more difficult so I think yeah I think Cor- uh, Corey Sandhagen should have uh, should have his way here over three rounds it might it might end up going to the decision but uh, Frank Yeager is hard to put away but uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if he TKO'd him either yeah, I, I think uh, I, I tend to agree. I just think, as you said, over three rounds. You know, we always talk about kind of Aldo over three rounds, and maybe it's because he fights, you know, so often over five rounds that when it's a three-round fight, it's a different prospect, and we can, you know, it's it's uh, right in front of our face. But it's, you know, the same for a lot of these guys. And Sandhagen, you know, can you know, if you look at Frank Yeager and go, okay, maybe the way to beat him is to be faster. You can afford to put more energy into that when it's only a three-round fight. If it was a five-round fight, you're obviously going to have have to, uh, you know, keep your gas tank <laughs> at a certain level and, and not blow it out in the first three rounds because uh, you have two more to go. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that will definitely benefit uh, Sandhagen. And uh, I think it'll be a good fight, though, because Frank Yeager, you know, he's uh, in, he's had a very good chin in, in the past. We know, okay, he's got knocked out by Bron Ortega and stuff, and he's taken a lot of damage on it. But... You know, we see with some fighters, they're able to keep going and they're able to keep taking that damage. Now, that's not a good thing. And that's the reason I was calling for him to retire a while back. But I, I digress on that. But that could turn it into a great fight, which, you know, is after talking about the, the Spencer Fisher thing a couple of weeks ago, is a, kind of a weird, hard thing to say. Uh, but that's what MMA is, I suppose. And that's the reality of it. But, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I, I'm, I think it will be kind of a, a great fight for Corey Sandhagen to kind of get him towards the title. And if not, it'll be a great fight for Frank Yeager to tell dickheads like me that he's still around. And, you know, <laughs> you know uh, to, to go full Roy Jones or Ariel Helwani with the y'all must have forgotten it. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big fight and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, in the women's bantamweight division then, uh, Marion Renault takes on Macy Chison. Big fight for Renault, you know, she she was there or thereabouts not too long ago after beating Sarah McMahon and a few more, but she lost her, her last three, the last of which was uh, around the summertime last year against Raquel Pennington. And, you know, Macy Chison is is another person who is, what, 6-1 in her career. So if she goes, you know, to 7-1, and one, Okay, she lost to, to Lena Landsberg, came back and beat Shanna Young in, in her last fight and has beaten uh, Sarah Morais and, and Pina Kinzad as well. So, you know, if she was to, to win this one, it'd be a big win for her as well in, in that division where there aren't too many people. And no, Juliana Pena, I don't know if we mentioned it last week or not, but she called out Amanda Nunes and then kind of further called her out afterwards as well. So uh, there aren't too many contenders at £135. So if Chai-san can win here... 
uh, against Renault and go to 7-1. and one. It's a big fight for her, and obviously Renault probably fighting for uh, her career, you know, uh, having lost her last three fights and being 43 years of age, about to turn 44 in, in four or five months' time. So, you know, it's a, a big fight for both of, of these women. Another fantastic fight on this card, Alexandre Pantoja... Uh, at flyweight, you know, one of the best flyweights in the world. Okay, he lost Askar Askarov in his last fight in Figueredo a couple of fights before that, but he's beaten Matchmill, 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 Matchmill. Uh, two fights before that, <laughs> Wilson Hayes beat Ulta Sasaki, Brandon Moreno beating Neil Siri. So he's a really, really well. I wouldn't say much for beating Neil Siri, but you know what I mean. A very, very good fighter, and he's fighting Manel Cape. You know, a guy who. You know, out in, uh, over in Risen, he set the world on fire. You know, beat Kaya Sakura in his last fight, and we know how good he is. Uh, you know, has fought Takei Mizugaki, beat Ian McCall. You know, beat a lot of good people. Been in tough fights, you know, lost to Kyoji Haraguchi and uh, Sakura before that as well. Has been in there with lots of good guys. You know, we talk about people coming into the UFC for the first time, um, like Michael Chandler. Absolutely the same, I think, for, uh, for Manel Cape. He has had you know, all the best preparations you could possibly have, having huge fights uh, out in uh, out in Japan uh, and around Asia as well uh, to, to prepare for this. And, you know, I was supposed to debut last year against uh, Barman in Din, was supposed to fight Pantoja, but now he's coming in and fighting Pantoja as well. This is a this is a fantastic fight, Graham, isn't it, in, in the flyweight division? We've had a lot of them recently, but I, I, how much are you looking forward to this one? Yeah. Yeah, this is a great one. I always look forward to Pantoja's, Pantoja's fights. Ever since the Ultimate Fighter, he kind of I hadn't heard of him, and uh, mm-hmm. I kind of like his his hard style. And uh, I I think this would be a great fight. I, I just wanted to mention it's it's good you uh, you gave your rendition of the the Matt Snell song there, yeah. so we can all agree that my singing is superior. <laughs> <laughs> my rendition is is uh, superior. <laughs> it wasn't fair enough because you knew the song. <laughs> I was trying to remember from using it. Well, I put out the clip last uh, week. Excuses, excuses. Matt, Matt Schnell, like, never retweeted a clip, never laughed. You think someone like Matt Schnell would fucking be dying for someone to, to do something funny like that for him? I'm like, all right, Matt, calm down. And he follows yeah. me on Twitter now. I was like, what's that about? I don't know. Bit weird. But anyway. Bit, bit of publicity, but yeah. Some yeah. guys don't understand uh, how things work. No, they don't. They don't understand. The pod god comes calling. You need to fucking answer that phone. But you're at When you look at, yeah, there so, we... the people like calling people Bobby Knuckles, and he didn't want to be called that. And yeah. it's like you should embrace all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it, there's a few examples of it where guys don't like nicknames they're given. Uh, there was one, another one recently. Can you remember? Uh, Somebody was complaining or not complaining, but saying they didn't like uh, the nickname. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. I saw a tweet about it. Paul, Paul well, Felder yeah, you should just, was on you about, should just go with it. Yeah, Paul Felder was on about hitting the Irish dragon, you know, and McGregor was kind of calling him the German dragon and stuff. And Paul Felder was like, I didn't even want to be called the Irish dragon. I thought it was, I didn't, I actually read it and I didn't see the interview, but, you know, when you're reading Paul Felder quotes, you can actually kind of hear him in his voice. It's very odd. And he was like, I, I, I maybe when, if I fight Conor McGregor, I'll come out and I'll, I'll be called the German dragon, which I think is very funny. And, you know, uh, he's, he's dealt with that very well, but, um, yeah, there was something recently as well. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, there's some uh, there's some great uh, the best of all, Yogurty Dave Fogarty, the best nickname ever made for uh, MMA. When's he gonna fight again? We need we need Dave back fighting. But anyway, um, right, Cody Staman versus Andre Yule as well in the bantamweight division. That's a pretty good fight. You're not too good, exciting guys there, and Team Sheehan's Benil Dariush. Be yeah, probably be a dominant uh, wrestling fest from some uh, as the man yeah, more than likely <laughs> usually isn't fair uh, but my boy Benil Dariush is fighting uh, Carlos Diego Fejé and this this you know if this was in any other division we'd be talking about this as like a title fight or close to a title fight like um, Fejé has won one two three four five six in a row you know, his last loss was to Dustin Poirier, and he actually lost to Benil Dariush before that, so this is a, a, re, uh, a rematch, so I might watch that, and actually on the rewatch this week, there you go. Uh, beating Anthony Pettis, beating Marbek Tysimov, beating Hus- uh, Rustam Kabilov, beating Jared Gordon, beating Olivier Oban Mercy on that run. That's an absolutely fantastic run, coming in here against Dariush, who, it's weird, you look at someone like maybe with a bit of a, a bad chin, and you think, oh, how are they going to turn their career around? Well, he's kind of turned his career around by getting more aggressive. <laughs> you know, be knocking lads out early and choking lads out as well. 
unbelievable run. Thiago Moises, he got a decision against him. Choked out Drew Dober. Choked out Frank Camacho. KO Drakkar close. How did he get past those calf kicks? Maybe we should go back and watch that fight. Um, knocked out Scott Holtzman in the first round with a spinning back elbow or back forearm in that fight as well. So this is a this is this fight. I feel they're like either, but they're, they're not they're not really top guys. You know that you're listing off for for Benil Dariush. Maybe maybe the fact that he's been able to kind of hide his chin weakness has been due to quality of of opponent. But uh, if it has been, we'll probably be uh, exposed uh, on this card. But uh, yeah, he like you know he hasn't he hasn't we haven't seen him badly rocked or nearly KO'd or anything in in a, in a long time now. Uh, that'll that'll give confidence to him as well. When, when you're getting when you're getting knocked out with you know punches, you shouldn't be getting knocked out with. It must take a lot of confidence away from your striking, uh, and your you know it takes a lot away from your ability to win fights. So that that, that must be a big thing weighing on him as well. Uh, I haven't heard him talk about it or anything, but uh, I'm sure that's 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 the case and. You know, uh, having gone on a streak like this and not taking too much damage is good for his uh, chin to recover as well. So we don't know what was going around or on around that time. Maybe he had a concussion. You know, when he was getting knocked out a lot of times, maybe he had a concussion problem ongoing or something like that. We, we don't really know. He's not really the most vocal uh, vocal of fighters in terms of media and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, this is a really interesting fight. I don't really know which way this is going to go. Like, I always have in my, in my mind that he does have a glass gym. But as you said, it's been a while. This is kind of a step up in competition for him. It's, it's, it is a little bit for Ferreira, you could argue. But it's kind of similar similar opponents that he's that he's gone through recently um, in terms of rankings anyway and things like that. So, yeah, I think um, we're going to find out a lot about Benil Darius here. And uh, I don't know what this could go either way, but I'd probably lean against him just... Uh, Fucking hate her value. That that chin problem. Fuck you. That chin Fuck problem you. is like you know when it very in a in a very close matchup like this. I think that's a that's something that could that could uh, could end up causing you, them you causing could, them to lose. Yeah. Yeah, you could go and fuck yourself. <laughs> you can do now and leave Benil like Benil Dar. I love Benil Darius so much because he is. He's like what all great kind of sports people have been down through the years. You can see the talent with him, but you can also see like the deficiencies <laughs> with him and it stares you right in the face. But it's so exciting. He's such an exciting fighter and he's kind of stepped into those deficiencies a little bit. Fucking chin up, balls out. Um, not literally, but you <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I love, I absolutely love watching Benny Larry fighting. Like I've... Uh, I, I, he's he's so brilliant. He's fuck, such fucking value for money. Like him, he's um. I see Fahez just the favorite minus one twenty five. Darius uh, plus one or five here in best fight odds. So you know, relatively close. But you know, for uh, Fahez a uh, uh, a big enough um a big enough favorite there, I suppose. And you know, as you said, Staman minus three ten. Just to go through, through a few of the odds. Frank Yeager, you can get him a plus three fifty minus four forty. Uh, for your boy Sandhagen. And Volkov is a favourite, as you mentioned. Yeah, minus 180, plus 158 for uh, for Overeem. So, I think there's maybe a little bit of money to be made there. Manel Cape. Manel Cape, plus 155. Ooh, that's that's a pretty good price. Although, you know, I don't know if I pick any of that fight or not. But that's another class fight as well. So, um, really, 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 really good main card there. Fantastic, I think. You know, the cards recently haven't been amazing up and down through it and uh, you know in in practice as well haven't been amazing some of them now some of them have obviously but this i find it hard for this fight card to to disappoint to be honest i think the top two would be brilliant i think the flyweight fight would be brilliant i think dariush and fahir would be brilliant okay so the man mightn't be the best fight in the world or Renault chase and fight maybe not but I, I think there's a lot of uh, plus points in this um and on the prelims then you know we have uh liverpool's own molly mccann against laura pro copium who is making her second uh, UFC uh, outing? Uh, she's fought over in Shooter Brazil, so came through well there. Was five and oh, six and oh, sorry, coming into the UFC and six and one now. Lost to uh, Carol Rosa in a close split decision before that. So, you know, a big fight here for, for Molly McCann as well, who has been on the end of a couple of, you know, a couple of losses over the last, what, year or so. She lost to, to Talia Santos. Um, and last to Gillian Robertson as well. Well, that, that's back in 2018 now, I suppose. Yeah, but she's a few wins since that. Obviously, the, the Lipsky one being the standout win. So, you know, I'm sure Molly won't want to get uh, two ra- losses in a row for the first time in her career here. So, big fight for Molly. And, you know, she seems to <laughs> she seems to be in good spirits and stuff, tweeting out and things um, over the last while. So, you looking forward to this fight? I know you always uh, look forward to Molly McCann fighting. And, uh, do you know what I look forward to? I don't know if you agree, Graham, the, the improvements Molly makes.
context because she kind of when she got into the UFC and when she won the Cage Warriors uh, championship before that, we could still see her kind of being very green. But then she kind of improved and improved and improved. And okay, she's obviously taken a couple of losses uh, along the way, but there's always seems to be improvements coming from Molly. Looking forward to seeing more of them. Are, are you uh, in the same uh, boat as me? Yeah, she was always very tough and um, a bit raw, as you mentioned, a bit green, as you mentioned, uh, in the Cage Warriors days. And even when she she made her first couple of UFC uh, fights, or she had her first couple of UFC fights, uh, yeah, uh, like, um, I don't know what the situation has been over there in, in Liverpool with the, with the lockdown and how much they've been able to train and all that. Um, you know, uh, some of these teams are just kind of having like private meetups and keeping. It, I don't know what the rules are in the UK compared to Ireland, but sometimes you're allowed to have like a couple of different households or whatever. So yeah, I'm sure these guys seem to be you know her life and Paddy's life and the people in the gym's life. Uh, so they're they're probably not you know doing anything else except training. And uh, you can expect Molly McCann to make improvements between each fight, as you mentioned. And, you know, she's a she's a favourite in this fight. Uh, she's shown in the past that she can, you know, come back from bad positions. She can grit it out. She can grind on a fight. If it's if it's not going too well, she can mix it up. So, yeah, I think she's uh, rightfully the favourite here and should, should have enough to get the job done. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to seeing it. And how uh, was uh, an exciting fight. Um... There's a few. I'm looking on Wikipedia here. There's a few fights that I'm not sure. It says announced about, so I don't know if they're happening or not. But uh, Odie Osborne, Denise Bondar, Devante Smith uh, versus Alex De Silva, Colejo. Uh, there's another guy whose name I can't pronounce on this. Carlos against Jocelyn Edwards, who we saw a couple of weeks ago. Again, that's actually a good fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that. So hopefully that's on it. Um, and then we have Julio Arce, who's obviously been around for a long time against uh, Timor Valiev in the bantamweight division. We have Mike Rodriguez versus Danilo Marquez. And two, uh, two uh, I don't know, in WWE, it's buzz, they call them legends. <laughs> but um, two veterans of the sport, uh, Clay Guida versus Michael Johnson. Um, you know, that's an interesting fight because Michael Johnson, on his day, can be a world beater. You know, he fucking beat, knocked out Dustin Poirier uh, on his day. Um, but sometimes he shows up and he fights well for two minutes and then he kind of wilts and, right. and that's that. So... I I I would favor Michael Johnson here. He's a relatively big favorite, uh, but I wouldn't rule Clay Guida out of this one at all. But you know, uh, good fight and good good undercard and good main card as well. So I'm looking forward to to this card uh, next week. Uh, before we go, Graham, and I don't want to talk about this, but you know, it's actually not the worst because this whole right Jake Paul Logan Paul bullshit, right, fighting MMA fighters and all that. I was like. Please don't fight Conor McGregor. Please don't fight Habib. Go and fight a boxer. Go and fight someone outside of MMA. Just don't get involved. And it turns out, is it Jake Paul? Yeah, is fighting Ben Askren. Which, you know, Ben Askren basically retired. You know, guy. Well, no, he's, 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 he's boxing. Boxing uh, him, yeah, Ben sorry. Askren, no? He's bouting. He's having a bout yeah, yeah. with Ben Askren. So, yeah. to me. If he was uh, fighting Ben Askren, it would be, it would be crazy. <laughs> it would be crazy. To me, this is one where, you know, I just don't want to be caught up in the madness of it and have to cover this and have to start the podcast with this and have to take this seriously. I can kind of look at this now and have a bit of crack on it. Hopefully there's a few funny promos. The, uh, the, the, the contest itself, I think, will be pretty funny. I, uh, before I give my thoughts on the ground, how, how do you think the, the actual contest will go itself between Jake Paul and uh, and Ben Askren? Uh, so I don't know anything about Jake Paul or his boxing. I haven't seen any of his boxing you know, his fights, bouts huh? or I'm any of his sorry. footage. No, no, I haven't seen any of them. I saw like a little clip of him knocking the guy out uh, on YouTube or something, or Reddit or something. But uh, that's basically all I've seen. Um, but if he's if he's able to box a kind of semi decent, he'll have a pretty good chance against Ben Askren. Uh, ben Askren's boxing, yeah, Jesus, I don't know. He's going to be wearing gloves. I'm not sure how what ounce gloves is Jake Paul been, been uh, bouting in. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure he's bouting in the word that we've just discovered in this podcast. You said it earlier, so mix it in. <laughs> bouting out of the red corner, Jack Paul. Uh, I don't know, but like Box, boxing under the queen, the Queensberry rules. <laughs> Queensberry rules, yeah, queening we should call it. I don't know, but um, <laughs> Jack Paul has been training 
Sorry, coughing into the microphone there. Rona still has me. But Jake Paul has been training. Not, like, Jake Paul is a fucking YouTuber, influencer, sits around his house all day just doing kind of fucking stupid shit. Like, that lad has plenty of time to train. He had Ryan Garcia in his house there not too long ago. I'm sure he's doing a bit of training with him. I think he was in um, oh, Freddie Roach's gym for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Like, this lad can box. This, this, uh, this is not... Just someone going in, you know, if me and you decide to have a white-collar boxing match tomorrow, this lad can box a bit. Okay, he's not going to go in there and beat Ryan Garcia or fucking Floyd Mayweather or anything like that. But it's not like, you know, it's not like is some he, is, novice it, who's not training. What like. was his, yeah, well, he's training, but what was his first bout? Like, you know, who did he face in uh, his boxing bout? Was it the he, KSI guy? No, or was it, the other brother? it was the other brother, I think. Or I'm not sure who, but it was like K.N. Gibber or some shit. I don't know who it was, to be honest. Um... But yeah, he was rubbish. But that Nate Robinson lad was a proper athlete, you know. Fought or, or fought, uh, played uh, in the NBA. Bas- and basketball player, you can't even you, you you can't even touch each other. It's worse than fucking soccer for for <laughs> basketball. Unless, unless you're a Liverpool player, you can touch. I don't know anything about Nate. Yeah, yeah, you can you can do whatever you want. Want to Liverpool players, you can stick Salah in a rear naked choke, and it's it's fine. Yeah, but look, but, well, yeah, yeah like Jake Paul, like mm-hmm. you know, how tall and heavy is Jake Paul compared to Ben Askren? I was looking at who's with Masvidal yesterday, and Masvidal was like a little bit taller than him. I think Jake Paul uh, is like one eighty. Ben Askren said I saw in some little interview he did. So you know, Ben Askren fights at one seventy doesn't really cut much weight. So I think it's grander. You know, they're commensurate size. I think they're about the same. So I don't think that make much of a difference. But think like Ben Askren is the worst boxer anyone has ever seen. <laughs> He's atrocious. He got pieced up in the feed by fucking Damian Maya. And now Damian Maya's box is a little bit underrated, so like anyone to get pieced, pieced up in the feed by him. But like, I don't know how much how much boxing training has been asking going to be able to do to look like even like a, a lad who can throw a punch by the time this comes. It's I I I think Jake Paul will knock him out in the first two or three rounds. I think he's going to absolutely spark him. Because, like, Jake Paul has been training for years to do this. Like, he's not, okay, he's not great or anything, but he can throw a jab, he can come in, he can throw a body shot, he can throw, uh, you know, a backhand over the top. I'm sure Ben Askren can do that as well, but, like, uh, he's just after a fucking hip replacement as well, and that's no joke. If anyone's listened to The Undertaker and the last day on Joe Rogan's podcast, he was talking about it. You know, it takes a long time to recover from that. You have to relearn how to walk in in a new way because of how you were carrying your body beforehand and all like that. And, you know, Ben Askren basically said that he was fucking sitting on the couch uh, eating KFC and, (laughs) you know, uh, Oreos and like, ah, I get a call to fight this lad. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, we talked about it before as well. All those lads calling out Jake Paul, trying to get, like, the red panty night and Ben Askren the one kind of sitting back saying, look, you know, and, and he kept calling out Ben Askren. That was the way to play it because Ben Askren's a name and people know him and everything like that. Um, and that was the way to play it. And Ben Askren has played this perfectly, so absolutely fair play to him. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm I'm weirdly looking forward to this because I don't really have to care that much. So from a purely selfish personal point of view, I'm just glad it's not Conor McGregor and I won't have to fucking go on radio talking about Conor McGregor fighting a fucking YouTuber. So... I'm delighted. Yeah, well, Ben Askren's a free agent, so he can kind of do though. what he wants. You know, he's not. other guys. He's still with the UFC, and do is you, he not? you know, Dana White allowed him to do this. Is he? Yeah, which is another argument as well. Like Dana oh, White uh, took, uh, yeah, Dana White. Like uh, I don't know, but apparently took a percentage of the McGregor Mayweather thing, and you know, it was a big, maybe not obstacle, but a big uh, part of that. And the fact that he's kind of letting Ben Askren do this, I wonder will Conor McGregor have any thoughts on that? What do you think? Well, I, like he's kind of retired or inactive. He's got a hip replacement. You know, he's he's all but finished with the UFC. So it's kind of a different situation. Um, I think yeah, the UFC are probably you know they always want to make money. They're probably making some kind of cut off it, uh, just due to him being under contract. But it's not a, it's not delaying anything. He's not a champion. He's not a he's not a you know a superstar that they they can stick in a main event and sell a lot of pay per views and make a lot of money uh, with. So, yeah, I think, you know, it, there's a lot less riding on it uh, for the UFC than than uh, if it was a superstar or a big name like Conor or Jake Paul's a superstar, uh, Jones or any of them who wanted to box mm. yeah. in combat sports. 
Yeah, he's that last couple of cards he was on drew huge. They made a ball of money on pay per view. Yeah, but it was Mike Tyson against Roy Jones Jr. It was the main event. The first one yeah. wasn't though. I don't think like the one where it was just him, his brother, and KSI, and then him and the yeah, other. He left. wasn't the main event in either of them. Yeah, but it, yeah, I, he wasn't the main event in either of them. He, no? he, yeah, but he's big as well. So like, he's, he's not really a, proven to be. A superstar at all in combat sports. Yeah, but I think I think it's a superstar would have headlined the card at least. Yeah, I, I think there's enough uh, data there to tell you that this will draw big, and and uh, the way they're talking it up is pretty good as well. I think he, like Jake Paul is a fucking idiot, but he's no he's not bollocks at the same time. Do you know? <laughs> so I think uh, I think he was right to pick Ben Askren, a guy who will kind of talk back to him and and have a bit of crack with it, and you know. Okay, this is like the thing about this as well is it's not MMA, so us covering it here is like maybe us talking about fucking kabaddi or soccer or something like. We don't really have to make it that seriously, which is I'll say it again makes me very fucking happy. Yeah. But however, you know, and he's going for the guys he was really going for is is Dylan Danis and mm-hmm. Ben Askren. Like Dylan Danis, a jiu-jitsu guy for years, starting MMA like very early in his career. Ben Askren, like the as you said, one of the worst strikers in the history of men's M- or the history of recent recent history of MMA or UFC men's divisions so he, he's definitely you know not an, like as stupid as people might think he is he's he's not as delusional he's he he, he knows damn right if he goes in there against uh, Conor McGregor he's, he's getting knocked out or if he goes in there against any top boxer or any top striker in MMA like he's getting knocked out but he has a good chance against somebody like Ben Askren who you know, I, I don't know anything about Jake Paul, as I said, as I said, is his boxing technique or his boxing ability. But uh, anybody who can box has a good, very good chance of, you know, doing very well against Ben Askren in, in a boxing match. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ben Askren will be able to, like, mix in a fucking loads of Greco-Roman wrestling and shit and yeah. make it tire him out or something. Calf punch him or Get loads of points taken in the early rounds, but just have him like Homer, like Homer Simpson, him have him fucking out in the street by the end. Yeah, should be a bit of crack anyway. Uh, before we go as well, um, just two more things. Obviously, you know, BJ Pin was uh, arrested again this week. A uh, video came out of uh, of him on suspicion of of DUI, obviously acting very belligerent and and everything like that. Um, I know we, we won't spend too long on this because we, we've spoken about it before and I think New York Rick is kind of was tweeting about it and, and talking about it and I thought he had some good ideas about how maybe we could help BJ Pin or you know people even just send letters to him and show some support and things like that and it's difficult you know because I saw a lot of people and Isaac Valley Flag was, was one of them who's gone through this sort of thing and kind of come out the, the other side of it and a lot of people were saying you know you kind of need to have to do it for yourself and need to want to do it and things and you know, it's sad to see because, you know, I know, especially you, Graham, you're a huge fan of BJ Penn and I've been a fan of BJ Penn for years as well. And I know a lot of people obviously probably listen to this podcast came on and maybe the back end of, of BJ Penn's career. But, you know, he was a legend in the early days and a tough, tough division. You know, like, to me, you compare him a little bit to Demetrius Johnson, you know, in a division that the UFC didn't really want, but was obviously one of the best fighters in the world a brilliant uh fighter and had to kind of fight his way to get kind of the recognition and okay it went obviously very bad for him towards the latter half of maybe his prime and towards the end of his career as well but you know it's very very sad to see what's kind of happened to bj at the moment and hopefully he can get help or hopefully he can get his mindset correct to kind of uh get out of it and 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 uh, you know to kind of move forward in his life after it and you know i'm even even mentioning that that undertaker documentary uh and and uh him and with joe rogan as well you know talking about getting to the next part of your life whether you're you know a fighter or a wrestler or you know even just normal people retiring or you know nfl players we see the issues they have all the time as well it's tough especially for these professional athletes you know you're fighting in front of fifteen thousand people uh, and then it, it's nothing and you don't have that buzz and trying to catch that buzz again is very tough and a lot of people you know get obviously involved in, in drugs and alcohol and stuff like that um, and it's a tough one and it's really really tough and I'd love the UFC you know we talked about it again a while back to put things in place maybe to help their fighters afterwards and I know I don't know what that'd be that, I'm not an expert in that but there are experts in that that could uh, advise them like that and hopefully someone uh, can help uh, BJP and he can come out uh, the other side of it as well but um one last thing as well, I forgot to mention it earlier. 
It was announced. Well, I, I don't know about the announce, but there was reports that Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier did 1.6 million buys. And I bring that up because it's it's very important. Now, 1.6 million. said 1.2 million in the US and then 400,000 worldwide. That number isn't entirely accurate. Uh, I've, I've, I've been talking to someone about the, the UK and Irish numbers. And those numbers are not... <sighs> not quite uh, maybe they're accurate maybe maybe they have an estimate of them but those numbers are not the exact numbers yet it's going to take time for them to come in and i think people can probably guess why with bt and sky and different things like that those things take time uh, to come through and it's going to take weeks for them to come through so you could see that number rising dramatically you know conor mcgregor put out or, or you know whatever whichever way i might call it remember conor mcgregor put out that screenshot there a couple of weeks ago about his numbers with Donald Cerrone and uh, they're a lot different to maybe what people uh, estimated worldwide and I think it could be the same with this but however huge number if you you know if you look at the 1.2 million uh, in in the US which will rise a bit afterwards because people will keep buying it as well to the you know and and around here as well I think it could be closer to 1.7 1.8 by the time all is said and done um but however, one point you know, one point six to one point eight or something like that. Huge number for this fight. No belt on the line. You know, a year out the cage, just after Christmas. It, you know, it really. We can say what you want about McGregor, but as a draw, there's really no one to match him, is there? And this was, this was huge. What like, Graham? Do you think when this number came out and then the UFC saw these reports coming through that they were like, oh, we're probably gonna have to make this rematch now straight away, and they're like. They're probably uh they're probably a lot more into it now than, than they were maybe last week. What you what you think they'll uh, they'll do? Do you think this will, uh, the number will adjust what they're uh, they're planning to do? Uh, I don't know. Like um, in the past, like when he fought Habib, the, Connor fought Habib the first time, uh, he did what two point six or some something around there. Uh, the, the the estimated numbers that came out in in the media. Uh, so you know that's that's a big reason an even bigger reason than 1.6 to to make a rematch and they didn't do it but as we talked about earlier there is a lot of people seem to want this like both camps seem to want it both fighters seem to want it do you see there's no real other obvious you know um superstar banging at the at the door obviously charles Oliveira is on the best run of his career but to a to a casual fan they probably don't even know who he is or barely you know who he is if if at all so it is a trilogy fight as well it's one each that mm-hmm. Habib seems to be you know sticking to his, his break at least if not retirement I, I don't believe that but seems like he's looking to go on a bit of a break here so you know it, it does seem to make make the most sense uh, for everybody involved as, as I said earlier yeah, yeah, that's it's an interesting one. That's a, an absolutely huge number. So, it, it will definitely play into what the UFC are thinking. I think, and you know, <laughs> it's uh, and as what Dustin Barrier is thinking as well. You know, the point about Dustin Barrier uh, having that much money right in front of him again. Uh, and maybe with pay-per-view points this time, if he can <laughs> negotiate his contract well enough, uh, I think he'd have to be absolutely be delighted uh, to take that. But however, uh, that's it from us for this week. I really, really uh, appreciate everyone listening. And I appreciate all the people over on Patreon as well. Lots of new people signed up. And a few people actually upped their donation after last week as well, which is something you know we never asked for and we never, we never mentioned running and people just kind of did it by themselves. Like, a few people did it just totally out of the blue, which is unbelievable and you know the the uh the freaking the love and respect we have for those people is is untold to be honest and fair play to each and every one of you uh, over there and now i think if i can get to work again to make uh, <laughs> patreon even better for everyone as well so if you haven't signed up yet patreon.com forward slash if you're in my podcast uh, you get early access to this podcast the q a every tuesday the rewatch every thursday and something as well every uh uh, every Wednesday, I believe the State of the UFC will be out this Wednesday. Uh, I was talking to Ian O'Neill about doing it, so I think he's hopping on with me. Uh, so that should be out this Wednesday. I think a good time to do it because there's lots of kind of fights just about in motion and lots of things, uh, lots of the divisions kind of moving around at, at this stage. So it should be a good time to do it. Uh, right, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, appreciate all the support. Happy New Year. God bless. Promo code severe at manscaped.com. See you all next time. Good luck. <laughs>